Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Monday, August 2nd. Brothers and sisters, we've made it to August. I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. That means, you know, one, wonderful. You know, it's kind of a passage of time, and, and we're we're moving toward fall. But the other thing is it's a passage of time, and we're moving toward fall, which means it's a, it's away from summer. And goodness sakes, I hope wherever you are, whenever you hear this, uh, you uh, just know of, of God, God's great love for you and, uh, and the blessings that this day holds, um, that God meets you right here, right now. How good that is. Uh, and today we're going we're gonna to focus on that in the gospel a little bit. It's, uh, it's a wonderful gospel. You are very familiar with it. The only miracle that appears in all four gospels, the feeding of the 5,000, uh, and today we hear Matthew's rendition of it. So I mentioned last Friday we finished up uh, on uh, John, thir- or excuse me, the 13th chapter of Matthew. So we are into the 14th chapter now. Today we'll be reading Matthew 14, verses 13 to 21. Again, the feeding of the 5,000. So let's uh, break open God's word together here today. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. The crowds heard of this and followed him on foot from their towns. When he disembarked, he saw the vast crowd. Excuse me, when he disembarked and saw the vast crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them and he cured their sick. When it was evening, the disciples approached him and said, This is a deserted place, and it is already late. Dismiss the crowds so that they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. He said to them, There is no need for them to go away. Give them some food yourselves. But they said to him, Five loaves and two fish are all we have here. Then he said, Bring them here to me. And he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he said the blessing, broke the loaves, and gave them to the disciples, who in turn gave them to the crowds. They all ate and were satisfied. And they picked up the fragments left over, twelve wicker baskets full. Those who ate were about 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Brothers and sisters, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I mentioned that we ended a Friday's gospel uh, with the end of chapter 13, right? Jesus told a lot of parables in chapter 13. Well, chapter 14 begins, uh, you know, we we started today on verse 13, so we missed a little bit, right? Um, The part we missed was the death of John the Baptist. We allude to it right away at the beginning of this gospel. But in that gospel, and you're familiar with that story too, but if you're not, um, uh, King Herod, it wasn't Herod the Great who uh, was the king when Jesus was born, Uh, and the one who killed all the children when Jesus was two, that would be Herod the Tetrarch's father. 
So Herod the Great was when Jesus was um, born. But now this would be one of his sons. And Israel was divided up uh, between his two sons, Philip, who would be, I think Philip was in the north, and Herod the Tetrarch was in the south uh, in Judah. Well, anyway, Herod the Tetrarch wanted to take uh, the wife of his brother Philip, who was the king in the north, uh, as his bride. And John the Baptist, of course, um, said, listen, you can't do that. That's against Jewish law. And rather than hear what John the Baptist was saying, accept it as truth, and change, because that's the harder thing, isn't it? He simply had John killed. Now, um, and it tells the story of that with Salome and the dance and, and the head on the platter and how angry the wife was, you know, uh, as well. Um, and so then we get here. Now, here's an interesting part. So it starts out, there's so much, my friends, there is so much in this gospel. And because you've heard me speak on it before, if you've been listening for a while, or you've heard other uh, priests, deacons, um, lay women, lay men, religious speak on this. I, I'm, you know, there's so much here. I'm, I'm just not going to be able to cover it all in one in one reflection. So I'm not going to try to. Uh, just know I'm going to leave out some incredibly important parts. Uh, and just trust that we're going to get through it again, you know, through Mark's gospel, Luke's gospel, John's gospel. And there'll be other occasions to uh, to talk and bring out more of what's happening. But what I want to say here is, um, two things. And the first is, it, it, it's just so beautiful. The first is the humanity of Jesus, and, and the second is the divinity of Jesus and how good God is. So let's talk about the humanity. When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. Now remember, uh, John is his cousin, right? Because uh, Mary of course, the mother of Jesus, when, uh, during the Annunciation, when the angel Gabriel was speaking to her and she's questioning, saying, hey, how can this happen? I've got no relations with a man. He says to her, listen, with God, all things are possible. Uh, even now, your cousin Elizabeth, she who was barren, is now six months pregnant. All things are possible with God. And so Mary and Elizabeth, of course, being cousins, would make John the Baptist and Jesus related as well. And, of course, Jesus and John the Baptist knew each other. It was Jesus uh, who was baptized by John, and John who, who said in Matthew's Gospel, I shouldn't be baptizing you, you should be baptizing me. Uh, and so there was a link there. Regardless, we don't know how close they were growing up. We don't know any of these things. Uh, but we know that they were related, and we know that there was a linkage there. And so purely on a human level, Jesus could be here just mourning the loss of family, mourning the loss of a friend, of someone whom he worked with, a co-worker in the vineyard, a co-worker in ministry. And so he's mourning that. Um, I mean, that would be no different than you and I, Right? If we lose a cousin, if we lose a co-worker with whom we feel a connection. I, I mean, there's a time we simply want to get away and mourn. And that's what Jesus is doing. 
He's withdrawing in a boat to a deserted place by himself because he's dealing with um, the loss of someone special in his life. But I would argue it's not just that. I would argue that I think Jesus is seeing his own future here. If we went back to the gospel that we did not hear on Saturday that tells of the death of John the Baptist, one of the things they're saying about Jesus is um, Jesus' fame is spreading. And they're saying, he is John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Well, you know we're going to hear that in, in just a couple of chapters in Matthew 16, right? When he's at Caesarea Philippi, and he says, who do people say that I am? Some say you are John the Baptist, right? Ultimately, people see Jesus and see and know and understand that he is a prophet. And Jesus is looking at John the Baptist and saying, and seeing, this is what happens to a prophet. The prophets, when they stand up against those in, in positions of authority, be they kings, like Herod the Tetrarch, or be they in positions of authority like um, Pontius Pilate? Or be they in positions of authority like the Sanhedrin uh, at the temple, the leaders of the temple, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and the elders? People in authority don't like their authority question. People in authority like to have things the way they are. And if we challenge them, if people challenge them, and prophets did challenge them, to change, remember how I alluded to it just a few minutes ago? Change would be the right thing because they're saying the truth. They're bringing the truth. John the Baptist did. They heard the Tetrarch. Jesus is bringing the truth to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the elders and the scribes. But it's harder sometimes to change a system, to change behavior, than it is simply to expel that person from their life. And in this case with John the Baptist, that expelling mean, meant death. And, and Jesus sees the writing on the wall. He sees what this means for him is that if I keep going down this path, that's what's going to happen to me too. Now, I think he knows that already. I think he knew it when he said yes to that ministry. But there's a difference between knowing it and knowing it, isn't there? There's a difference between knowing it up here and knowing that it's going to happen sometime in the future and knowing it and seeing it in, in, in action and knowing it in my heart that, that all of a sudden that travels from my head down to, to my gut, to my heart, and, and knowing that's what that's going to look like. It's going to look like a head on a platter. It's, and it's coming sooner. And it's registering. And I think Jesus in all his goodness doesn't cower from that. But he simply needs to go off and take stock of it. In a sense, almost to, to spend time in prayer with his father to strengthen him for the rest of the journey. He knows it's coming, and he knows it's coming soon. Which leads me, I think, to the second part. And, and I, I bring that up, brothers and sisters, not only just to reflect upon the mortality in, uh, of Jesus, the humanness of Jesus, but knowing that's our stuff too, right? You know, when I'm 20, I know that I'm going to die. I know that. But here I stand at 56. 
and uh, and know my my father had an aneurysm at 65, and and know my mother died uh, at age 76 of of Alzheimer's, and know that uh, I heard of just a friend in Sheboygan who passed away of pancreatic cancer who is no older than I am, and know in my gut that that mortality it's coming sooner than it is later. Do you know what I mean? We we experience these same things. So. So I'm not just trying to show this is what Jesus may have been going through, but trying to say, brothers and sisters, his story is our story. And there are times when we lose somebody close to us and we need just to be off on our own and and um, come to terms with our mortality uh, and, and be strengthened for the rest of that journey as well. And that's okay. Because if Jesus needed it, you know we're going to need it too. Um, and it's okay to grieve the loss of loved ones because life isn't the same uh, after their death. And it's okay to acknowledge that because Jesus is. But it, but again, it leads me to that other part. Now, again, there's so much that we can talk about here. But the only thing I really want to talk about is, um, is uh, this part here. So he gets off the boat and the crowds are looking for him. So they see that he goes off in a boat. So they go around the lake and get there before he does. And he gets off, and rather than be mad and say, listen, I'm just looking for some alone time. Can I get some alone time? Um, he, uh, his heart feels pity for them. His heart was moved, it says, with pity for them because he saw the vast crowd. And remember, when he sees it, he doesn't just see them. He sees their situation, and he cures their sick. And, and it's not only feeling pity for them and curing their sick, but when his disciples come to him, and this is a deserted place, and it's already late, and they say, listen, dismiss them, so they can go buy some food for themselves. Hey, the disciples are being attentive to them and saying, hey, they're going to need to eat. We've got to dismiss them. They've got to take care of themselves. It's not just a, a you, know, let, you know, good luck and God bless you. Get out of, get out of here. Uh, they're, they're seeing the need, too. But Jesus is like, okay, how can we fill that need? I see their need. I don't want somebody else to take care of their need. How can I fill that need? And he says to them, there's no need for them to go away. Give them some food yourselves. Now, there's a reflection in that statement that I could give, uh, you know, that and the 12 wicker baskets left over. But I'll save that for another time. Instead, Jesus simply says, let's not have somebody else take care of their need. What can we do to take care of their need? And so he asks them, what do we have? Five loaves, two fishes. Okay, okay, I can deal with that. And then he says the line I want us to focus on and chew on the rest of this day. And it's this. Bring them here to me. Isn't that wonderful? He looks at the crowd. He sees their need. He sees their hurting. His heart is filled with compassion. And rather say, listen, I'm going to lift you in prayer. I hope you find somebody who does it. Who, who can bless you in this situation, he says to them, bring them here to me. And what little I have, because I only got little, the little I have, I'm going to give you. And, and, and of course, when they come, he takes what little he has. And, and, and again, this is, this is Eucharist, right? This is all this is Eucharist. This, this is it. Because these are the four things. It's taken, it's blessed, it's broken, and it's shared. 
That's Eucharist. I've said it before, and I know you've heard me say it before, but that's what Jesus is doing. That's what we do every Sunday when we go to Mass, or any time we go to Mass. That's what he does at the Last Supper. He takes it, he blesses it, he breaks it, and he shares it. That's the deal. What Jesus is saying is, he's saying, bring them here to me. Bring them to my altar. Bring them to my table. Bring them to the bread that really does give life. And, and after he shares it, what does this Eucharist, or what does, excuse me, this gospel say? They all ate and were satisfied. Why? Because that which God gives us, gives us life, it gives us healing, it gives us wholeness, it gives us salve, right? It covers our wounds, be they emotional, spiritual, or physical. It's salve for those wounded areas in our life, that place we come that salve, which of course we get the word salvation from. Jesus says, bring them here to me. You know, brothers and sisters, had we read the first reading today, it's, uh, it's, it, it's almost like the, the reading yesterday, uh, if you heard it um, yesterday. It's the, the Israelites are wandering in the desert for 40 years, and they're looking back, and they're thinking about, oh man, how good we had it in Egypt, because we ate these melons, and we had, you know, as we sat by our flesh pots, or, or we had food, even though we were enslaved, we were uh, taken care of, uh, food-wise, and here we're in the desert now, and we just have this manna, it's crazy, and so Moses says, he's crying out to God, and he's saying, listen, I, I can't deal with this, and, and this is the exact wording from uh, Numbers, where Moses is crying out to God and, and he's frustrated. He's at the end of his rope. He says, I cannot carry all this people by myself for they are too heavy for me. Brothers and sisters, isn't that the same place Jesus is in at the beginning of this reading? When Jesus heard of the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew in a boat to a deserted place by himself. I can't carry all this. I'm overwhelmed. I'm done. I just lost a coworker and a friend and I see what's going to happen to me. And I can't carry it, Lord. And what does God do? <laughs> Amazingly enough, through the same person who's, who's kind of at the end. He says, bring them here to me. Why? Because I can give you food that really satisfies. Brothers and sisters, I don't know if you're feeling in that place today. But if you are, two of the greatest people in all of Scripture... Jesus and Moses, be hard to find better, wouldn't it? They were there too. They were at the end of their rope. And it is God who heals. It is God who knows and sees. Just like Jesus saw the crowd, he saw them. He saw their circumstance. He understood and his heart was moved for pity. That is who our God is. That is who our God is. Make no bones about it. And what does he do? He goes out and he cures them. He he gives them what they need, which is Him. Which is Him. He gives them that salve, which heals their, their body, their mind, their spirit. If you are in that place today, my friends, or if you know somebody is who is, listen to these words. Bring them here to me. Our God can and will and does heal us. It may not be on our time, brothers and sisters, but our God sees us and he knows us 
and he loves us, and his heart is moved with pity, and he knows that the Eucharist is, is a bread of healing. There's so much more to talk about here, but I think that's enough. Just know Jesus has been where you are, and I have, have been. And he sees us, and he invites us to sup with him. And he knows what he gives us can heal. Let that news be what we chew on today, and let it bring life to you and I. Let's pray. Um, we know, brothers and sisters, that our God does hear. And so let's uh, just bring and put all that in front of him today as we bring this to prayer. So we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The first joyful mystery, appropriate enough, the Annunciation. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My friends, welcome to August. Welcome to another week. May we be open to the gifts that lie all around us. And may we be filled with thanksgiving and joy uh, for their presence. Have a wonderful Monday, and we'll see you again tomorrow.